Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. saying to be built that it takes a entire team to produce a Sunday morning worship service. And we're learning that more and more as we go along. And, uh, and I want to just say thank you real quick before we get started in the preached word this morning. I want to say thank you to all the faces that you don't get to see on the camera. Um, we've got an entire tech team that sits behind the booth and that works the uh, online for those of you who are connecting with us online. And we've got people who are moving slides. And I just want to say thank you to all of them. Uh, thank you to uh, Pastor Ricky, who is stepping into the leadership over that in his new role as our Connections Pastor here at Roxborough. Um, thank you to Pastor Scott, who oversees all of the Sunday morning uh, service and puts all these pieces together. So I'm so thankful for the entire team. And even, even as you just saw Jackson come and move through and grab the table, like it, it literally takes the entire team to make Sunday mornings happen. But I don't want to navigate away from this. Even if all of us showed up, and did our part, if the Spirit of God does not move, all we're doing is making noise. And maybe it's a pretty noise because of the people who, and the gifts that the people have that are up here, but it's still just noise. It is the presence of the Spirit of God that, move, that navigates it from being noise and clutter to being worship, from being just sound that, that we can produce to being an offering to the Lord. And so right where you're at in your living room, I pray that, as I said online, I pray that the spirit was dense in your space as well. Man, I just felt overwhelmed by the spirit of God as we were singing and, 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 and just the thread of the, communi- uh, the, the thread of grace being communicated through all the songs that we were singing and, and the presence of the spirit of God in the songs we were singing. Like those moments, those moments are just rich and they, they are fully dependent on God. Um, the last thing I want to say before we get into the preached word is, uh, as we're continuing in this new season, I want to invite you to, uh, to, to take a step further in your walk with the Lord with us. We have four new small groups that are launching, and they are launching just for this season. They will start the end of this month, and they will end right before Easter. And we're simply asking you to go onto our website, click on the small group tab, and look at those four new small groups that are launching We want to encourage everybody to get into one of them. They are book studies that we're going to do together, and there are four different books that are out there and available for people to uh, to jump on. Each group will have about seven or eight people in it, and it'll be a one-hour online virtual meeting. So I really want to encourage you. If you need, if if you're looking to grow with the Lord in this season, just make sure you jump into one of these groups and uh, you participate in it for the next two months. It will bless you. You will be a blessing to others, and we'll be surprised at just how much God will do during this time. Make sure you jump on there and get to be a part of one of those and, uh, and let us know. You can, there's a tab you can fill out you can, um, to let us know which group you'd like to be a part of. And then as those groups fill up, we'll go ahead and move them offline so that 
um, so that we're not overfilling those groups. So go ahead and do that quickly, um, not right now, but right after the service so that you don't miss your opportunity. For the next four weeks, we're going to be in the book of Galatians, and uh, today we're going to start in Galatians chapter 1, and then the four weeks that follow next week, Pastor Charlie will be preaching, and uh, he'll bring Galatians chapter 2, and then we'll go on from there. So go ahead and get your Bibles, get ready, get settled in. Father God, we're believing that you're going to do something great as we talk about grace over the next five weeks. Lord, we're praying that you would awaken us, Lord, that you would uh, breathe life into us, God, that we would understand our purpose and our appointment, God, that we would recognize that grace is enough, Lord, that, that we can't chase after anything on our own, that you have done it, God, that you shower your grace over us. But Lord God, we also pray that we would come ready. So we pray, Lord God, that right now we would come ready. Our hands will be filled with the word of God, and we'd, we'd be ready to scribe and notes and, and uh, then to take the points of this day and apply them to our life going uh, forward from today. God, do what only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Charlie, at the beginning of the service, said that this has been a glorious week, and, and if, I am a, if I am a man of faith the way Pastor Charlie is, I would echo that this has been a glorious week, but I'll also say that my carnal side says that this has been a really hard week, that this has been a week in which there have been things that have disappointed uh, us as, as people, and I imagine that if we were watching life from the heavenly side, we would experience some level of disappointment from our father now with that said my role this morning is not to point any fingers at anyone other than this if you shared in any of those feelings you are not alone I believe that we as a church share in those feelings together and I also believe that we as a church contribute to the pain of those realities Maybe specifically not this one, but how many times has your sin caused someone stumble, caused someone to stumble? How many times has your stuff, your baggage, your, 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 the weights that you carry hindered the furthering of the gospel? How many times have you showed up on a Sunday, showed up, shown up? Help me with my grammar here. Shown or showed? All right, we're going ED, showed. How many times have you showed up? I don't, that doesn't sound right, but I'm going with it. How many times have you showed up on a Sunday? Y'all know what I'm trying to say. How many times have you arrived at church on a Sunday morning? But even though you were physically present, you were spiritually absent. If those moments have ever occurred for you, then the next five weeks is home. Come home. Be centered. Be ready. Because all of the talk that we can offer, all of the study we can offer around grace navigates to or points to what every one of us recognizing are recognizing right now, that we need to experience grace, renewed favor from God because on our own we show up to the sanctuary empty on our own we sit and we don't raise our hands on our own we listen for mistakes rather than seeking for the approval of God 
on our own, we simply come uh, with our agenda. And I think what we saw today, what we saw this week, is what happens when we operate on our own. Chaos, pain, confusion, frustration, anger. Church, by the grace of God, let's do better. Galatians chapter 1, if you join with me in the reading of the word, I'm going to read through the first uh, 12 or so verses, so you might want to follow along. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. And the church said, Amen. I am astonished that you, the church should have said, Amen, right then. Okay, okay, we'll work on it. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach to you is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Father God, would you bless your word, as we continue to make sense of it and apply it to our lives, Father, would you speak through me in this moment, Lord God, allow each of us to hear, Lord, and then the application of your word led by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'm so excited about preaching this message this morning. I mean, I, look, I just got notes on notes on notes on notes on notes, like I am ready, I, like I, I'm so in it, but I just want to give you the, the short and abbreviated version just from the beginning, just in case chaos breaks out in your house where you're at, in case somebody wants, you know, a bagel sandwich in the middle of the sermon or in, ca in case you get distracted by something else. Here it is. So don't miss it. The first thing we're going to say this morning is that Jesus is for you. He is for you. Say that with me. Jesus is for you. Jesus is for you. It'll probably pop up on your screen somewhere. Jesus is for you. The second thing we're going to say this morning is there is only one gospel. Say it with me. There is only one gospel. There's none other. There's only one gospel. And then the last thing we're going to look at this morning is this. We are saved, called, and appointed. We are what? Saved, 
called and appointed. So in case you miss everything else, you got it. You know what we're going to talk about this morning. But I believe that this is what God is doing. So here we go. Jesus is for you. Look, I want to defeat the lie right from the beginning. Maybe you sat in your room at some point or you were somewhere. You were riding on a train on your way to work or on your way home or somewhere. Maybe you were in the midst of a lot of people and you still felt more alone than you've ever felt before. You believed the lie in that moment that there was no one on your side. I've heard people from young to old, and I, I count myself somewhere in that category, I, where, where I've heard the conversation where someone said, I feel like no one is on my side. I feel like I'm battling all on my own. People have come and they said, Pastor Ray, I want to talk to you about issues and struggles that I have and battles and, 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 th and sin that I'm wrestling with. And, and inevitably, when they're starting to talk about it, one of the things that they, they point to is the way in which they're battling against it. And they say, man, I feel like I'm getting worn down. You can picture it like the early Rocky movies and Rocky is battling against Apollo and, and, and they're going back and forth. And if you watch Rocky 1 or Rocky 2, you see them going the distance. I hope I'm not ruining the movie for you in case you haven't seen it. But you see them going the distance and Mick's in the corner and he's ready to throw in the towel. And Rocky looks over at Mick and he says, you will not throw in the towel. I'm going to the end. Right? And you feel like you're battling all alone and you're running out of stamina and you've got nothing left. I want to defeat the lie. That's not how the fight goes. You see, that's how the fight goes if we're depending on ourselves. That's how the fight goes if you're going to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. If you're going to go from poverty to success, you're going to do it all on your own. You, whatever that story was you bought and heard before, I want to say to you, that is not how the story goes in Scripture. You see, the word of God suggests that God, that Christ has already, paid, has, has already fought the battle, that, that God himself has already declared the victor, right? That, that Jesus has already done the work. And that's what we're trying to look at this morning, grace that we experience through Christ, that that reality is that not that we have made it by the work that we've done, but we've received a favorable blessing that can only come from God. Yeah. You're tired. I'm tired. I have not yet met the person who said who who I have not yet met a person who in response to COVID hasn't at some point in the conversation said, I'm tired. Which is kind of ironic when you think about it, because we're home more than we've ever been, right? We have uh, an abundance of responsibility, but we have an we have, we have more time to give to that responsibility than we've ever had before. And yet the reality is. I have a habit of taking uh, Sunday afternoon naps. Uh, you know, when I was younger, uh, when I was in my early days of ministry, um, I, when I was a youth pastor, shout out to our youth pastor here at the church, when I was a youth pastor, my pastor used to talk to me about how he would take Sunday afternoon naps, and Pastor Jeff would tell me that story, and I would just laugh. I'd be like, man, you need to take naps? Like, Sunday's my go day, man. I, I am hard after it. Man, I can't wait till like 1 o'clock. One o'clock, my eyes just start to tilt back. Yeah, yeah. I need, I need that nap. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm not, that's, that's on the natural. I'm tired. But let's talk beyond that, right? Let's talk beyond that. It isn't just COVID that's making me tired. You see, sometimes, sometimes I battle with my own ability to overcome the obstacles in my life. And I think if I could just work a little bit harder toward that, I could get this done. 
I'm, I'm a worker. I'm a worker. I think if people know me, they would say, uh, Pastor Ray, you might not be great at things, but you work hard at them. You work hard at them, right? And that's been true most of my life. That's been true um, since I can remember my earliest days. Like, I was always trying to play keep up with my brother. He was always two steps ahead of me, and he was always better than me at everything that we tried to do. And so, um, so I just had my, my idea from the very earliest age. I'm just going to outwork people. I'm going to outwork people. I might not be better, but I can outwork them. And so, um, but you know what that produces? A tired person. A tired person. And maybe you're sitting there today and saying, Pastor Ray, you're talking about me. I'm a tired person. But part of the reason why I think we find ourselves in that state is because we don't actually believe that there's someone else who is for us. We believe we've got to do it on our own. We've got to get it done. See, uh, the scripture here, when Paul is talking to the church, he is pointing to the reality that Jesus is for them. He starts right at the beginning when he says, um, he says in, in verse 3, he says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this. Who gave himself for our sins. Jesus was for us before we ever thought about him or before we ever began to work in his direction. Jesus was for us. God gave Jesus himself for our sins for a purpose. Not just to do it, for a purpose. This is what he says. He says, God, gave, uh, God our Father and the Lord Jesus, who gave himself for our sins for the purpose, to rescue us from the present evil age. Listen, listen, listen. We're trying to climb our way out of a hole that is incredibly deep. Um, for our uh, 10th wedding anniversary, Michelle and I, shout out to Sabrina, who took care of our kids for like, ever. Um, but, but Michelle and I got to, got to head out to the Grand Canyon. And I had never seen a hole so big. We walked to the edge of the hole and we looked and I was like, that thing goes on forever. And then it was because it was our 10th wedding anniversary, Michelle could say anything she wanted and I would say yes. So she said, let's traverse down into the hole. But it was our 10th wedding anniversary, so I couldn't say no. But everything in me was like, that's a bad idea. That is a bad idea because when we get down to the bottom, we got to turn around and come back up. And climbing out of a hole is hard. It is hard. And so part of the reason why you and I find ourselves so exhausted is because we believe we got down into the hole and we've got to climb our way out. And we might even think to ourselves, you know, I didn't do anything to get in the hole. The world put me in the hole or, or the cards were stacked against me or something else. But I'm in the bottom of the hole and I got to get my way out. I got to climb my way out. I, I have patterns in my life where this becomes more and more evident. Maybe you do as well. Last night, if you uh, tuned in with us at Wissahickon, you heard Pastor Charlie preaching on the same message. And one of the things he pointed out was that he uh, loves cake. He loves cake. And, and I loved his illustration about cake because, number one, it made me hungry. And if you know anything about me, you know I enjoy being hungry because then I enjoy the feeling of not being hungry anymore. And that means I got to eat. And so I was craving cake as Pastor Charlie was telling this story. But uh, what I also realized is that um, while I love to devour, uh, you know, really tasty things, at some point, uh, now, you, you got to compare my illustration with Pastor Charlie's. I'm not, I'm not going to give his away. But at some point, when you devour too much, it's hard to go to sleep after that. You get the tummy ache. You get to roll around. You can't sleep on your back. You can't sleep on your side. You definitely can't sleep on your belly. Like, it's just a, it's an uncomfortable feeling. It's an uncomfortable feeling. 
find myself time and time again looking at the pit that I'm in. How did I get here? How do I get out? If you're in that situation, I got to say this to you. Jesus is for you. He has done the work for you. But I also want to say this. It's not just that Jesus is for you. He's at work right now in you. He is doing something in your current situation. He is setting you up through your experience, through what you're coming to know, through what you're participating in, through the people that are around you. Jesus is at work. Watch this. Jesus is not going to be more at work in you when your life is cleaned up. He's not waiting for all of your cards to be right before you play the game, right? Jesus is at work in you right where you are. Now, that's not, does that license you to go and sin? Paul would say, absolutely not. So let me say that too. Absolutely not. This is not a free pass to go and live a wild life because Jesus is still at work in you. It's the more that we understand how for us Jesus is, the more we decide to run away from the things that are not of God and to run toward the things that are of God. And as we run, we will stumble. And as we stumble, we are reminded about the grace that comes from God alone. Jesus is for you. He is at work in you. And watch this. He is also at work in the world through you. The world around you is changing. And it's changing because the people of God are yielding to God. And God is at work around them. We're going to talk more about that in just a second. But I want you to get your mind around this with me today. Jesus cares about you. He cares about the space that you're in. And then he cares about the people who fill that space. Jesus cares about you. He cares about what's going on in this moment with you. And he cares about those who are looking in and are listening. And you have the opportunity to influence. He's at work in you. He's for you. He's at work in you. And he's at work in the world around, in the world through you. The second thing I said we were going to say this morning is this. There is only one gospel. Paul is rebuking the church. And there's a little rebuke in there. The rebuke that comes to the church um, in Galatia is that he, he says, I can't believe that you would so quickly run away from the gospel and start to believe in something else. Now, look, we're not going to go, we're, we're, we're going to go deep on this, but we're, we're not going to um, try to try to recognize all of the ways in which somebody could move away from the gospel. But let's just understand a couple of key words real quick. First of all, the word gospel. The word gospel comes from the word evangelio, right? And the evangelio is uh, the word that we understand in English as evangelical. Now, when I say that word, some of your ears pop up and be like, oh, I heard the word evangelical. We can't use that word anymore. Yes, we can. Stop. For a long, long time before our world went into the chaos that it's in today, the word evangelical was simply a word that described good news and that pointed to the gospel truth. Now, that word has been hijacked by everybody and anything, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody and anything other than the ways that I've hijacked it myself. So let's give it back to what it meant. The word evangelical simply means somebody or something that points to the good news, that points to the good news. The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, as explained in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, as Paul talks about, as we're talking about now in the letters to the church in Galatia. Right? So the word evangelical 
today and going forward for us will point back to the historical understanding of the word. It's not a Eurocentric word. It's not a politically driven word. It's not meant to identify a party that you stand with or stand against. The word evangelical is meant to be something that points to good news. And friends, I got to say this as clearly as I can. There is no good news in politics. There is no good news in our own abilities. There is no good news in, in how hard we work. There is no good news other than Jesus. Jesus is the good news. He is the answer. Jesus is the way in which we overcome. Jesus is the way in which we spend eternity. Jesus is the one who was, before, who was for us before we understood we needed somebody to be for us. And Jesus is the one who shows up when we can't battle anymore. Jesus is the one who speaks when, when, when we're silent and we listen. But Jesus is also the one who interrupts when our voice is so loud and we're not trying to pay attention. But he says, this is my moment. The Spirit of God speaks in those moments. Paul, Paul describes it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to run through it quickly. You're going to check it out on your own. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says this, starting in the third verse. He says, for what I have received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to many, to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, and though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And last, he also appeared to me uh, as, to, as to the one who was abnormally born. Paul's talking about himself. For I am the least of the apostles and do not, have, uh, do not deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul's pointing out the fact, the reality, that, that he was uh, running in a direction away from God. That he, was, he was fighting against God and, and against the will of God, and yet God called him to be an apostle. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But by the grace of God, but by the grace of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God. That was with me. Paul describes the gospel to the church in Corinth as the, 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 sat, the, the fulfillment of the scriptures, the work that Christ has done in accordance for, uh, to cover for our sins according to the scriptures, that he, was, that he lived, that he died, that he was buried, that he resurrected. That's what we talked about at the beginning when Pastor Charlie walked us through the Apostles' Creed. That's what we declare over and over again. This is the good news, and by the grace of God, you and I have experienced the good news. Uh, Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 3. He says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice, as an atonement, through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Christ covers the sin that you and I have found ourselves in. Christ is the way in which you and I have access to the Father. That he is the full covering. Watch this. It says in Colossians chapter 1, God's heart covers our sins and qualifies us for new life in Christ. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. 
so that you may live a life that is worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, that you would bear fruits in every good work, growing in your knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. You want good news? God is for you so much that he has qualified you to be counted amongst the eternal. God has counted you amongst his own. He has called you sons and daughters. He has invited you into a relationship that lasts for eternity. He has covered the sins and the things that separate us from God. He has paid the ultimate price. He has rested and resurrected on our behalf. Jesus Christ is for you. Jesus Christ is at work in you. Jesus Christ is at work in the world through you. Man, I cannot overemphasize enough. That is the gospel that we're called to. That is the gospel that Paul is calling the church of Galatians back to. That is the one, not some gospel that suggests that in some way you need to do enough. Not some gospel that suggests in some way you need to say enough or you need to give enough. By the way, the charge that Pastor Crawford gave for us to give was a, was a great charge. A great reminder, no better time to start than now as we launch into 2021, to be faithful in the ways that we participate and worship the Lord. But whether you give a ton or whether you don't, that will not influence salvation. But dare I say this, the more we understand the gift that comes from God, the more applicable Pastor, Charlie, Pastor uh, Crawford's challenge is to us. When I understand the love of God, when I understand the grace of God, when I understand the abundance that God operates from, man, open hands, open hands. God, it's yours. God, it's yours. The last thing I want to charge us with this morning is this. We are saved, called, and appointed. Now, all three of those words could have a sermon on their own, and we're going to try to kind of consolidate them into the closing of our sermon this morning. But, uh, but I see all three of these things in this passage in, uh, in Galatians chapter 1. Paul identifies his salvation, he identifies his call, and he identifies his appointment. And I think the same could be true for all of us. Paul was saved by grace. That's what he says. He says he was called to be a missionary, and he was appointed as an apostle. And uh, if you look and study through the life of Paul, you'll see that there's nothing in his life that lined up for those things to be true, right? He was on his way to do some bad, bad things when God interrupted his path. Pastor Charlie says that God smacked him off his horse. I like that illustration. I like that. That'll preach somewhere. So, so, uh, but, but, but God interrupted the path that Paul was on. And then God blinded Paul to the realities of the world around him. So his undivided attention would be on the work that God was doing in him in that moment. And then as he, Paul began to see the work that God was doing in him in that moment, Paul began to recognize the work that God could do through him in the moments that would follow. He was saved by grace. 
He was called then to, uh, to be a missionary, to, to begin to speak the gospel to those around him, to, to run into the neighborhood, and in his case, uh, to run back into, uh, into the, the, the temple. And as he had the authority to teach and to speak in the temple, he had the authority in that space to point to Jesus in a way that had not been happening in that space. And so Paul was called to be a missionary, a missionary to his own people. And then after that, he was appointed as he grew as an apostle, to then, to, 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 then, uh, to then plant and lead churches and then to shepherd pastors. I mean, this is what Paul was called to. So I ask us these three questions to make sense of it. One, have you experienced salvation by grace? Have you experienced the gift that comes from God? Have you, have you said yes to Jesus being your Lord? Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. By the way, shout out to my boy Isaiah. Every time I read something from Isaiah, I think of you, son. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. It says this. It says, come now, let us settle the matter. Though your sins are like scarlet, though you, they, they shall be as white as snow. Somebody knows this verse. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Your sin is a mess. It's ugly. You say, Pastor Ray, don't talk about don't talk about your sin. Okay, I'll talk about my own. My sin is a mess. It's ugly. The privilege to stand here as your pastor does not mean that I'm sinless. It does not mean that uh, that, that 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 I don't have junk. It means that I recognize Jesus as my Lord that I've yielded to the promise that his forgiveness would cover me. It means that I regularly, daily, if not more often than that, confess to God and say, God, forgive me. John says it this way in the gospel. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Paul follows it up by this. He says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then he says to the church in Ephesus, he says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not the work, this is not from yourselves. It is a gift that comes from God. It is not by work so that no one might boast. Have you experienced that salvation? Have you received the gift that comes only from God? If you can say yes to that, follow along. If you can't say yes to that, I'd encourage you to stop right there and spend the rest of this morning Saying, God, I need you. God, I need you. I'm not ready to talk about my mission. I'm not ready to talk about what I'm called to or what I'm appointed to. God, I just need to experience salvation. But for those of us who can say, yes, we're walking with Jesus. We've, we've yielded our life to Jesus. Let me ask you a follow-up question. Do you know your mission? Do you know what you're at work toward? I was... Uh, I was, was in a, in a church growth class that I was a part of, and, and they, they said, one of the things that you need to do is you need to help your congregation know their mission. What is it they're working toward? 
Oh, man, when I think about this, I'm charged up. Jesus, Jesus gave the mission to the disciples, and I think, it, I think as a result, he gives it to us. Uh, in Matthew 28, he says, um, starting in verse 18, then Jesus came to them, to the, to the disciples, and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, this is your mission, and make disciples, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Jesus gave them a mission. He gave them something to be about. If you know your mission, then I ask about your appointment. Who has God put in your circle of influence that you are administering the gospel of grace to? Come on, sit with that for a second. Who has God put around you that is coming to know the love of God because of you? Come on, somebody. Uh, a couple years ago, we talked about it this way. Who is your one? We said every one of us is charged to reach one. God has put one person in your world that you're reaching with the good news of the gospel. For me, her name was Miss Marcia. Miss Marcia was the, she was a checkout clerk at ShopRite. And I went to ShopRite twice a week for two years because I wanted to stand in line at Miss Marcia's line and I wanted to witness the gospel to her. Who's your one? Who is it that God has put in your circle that they are watching you that they might understand the gospel in a greater way? Uh, I, we're out of time on this, but 2 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks a lot about this. Let me just highlight a couple of verses for you. In verse 13, he, 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 make, he begins to make sense at what we're called to, our appointment as a whole. And I, I'm going to say it this way. He says, if we're out of our mind, as some of you say that we are, it is for God. In other words, God is the reason. If we are of right mind, then it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all will die and that he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. I am appointed. I am, I am called. I, 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 I am saved for the purpose that I might now live for Christ amongst others that they might understand the one who died for them. He goes on to say, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in that way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here all this is from God. Now watch this. I'm in verse 18. All this is from God. I'm in 2 Corinthians 15, 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You say, well, Pastor Rad, I don't know what my appointment is, but here it is. I'm going to give it to you clearly. As a follower of Jesus Christ, our appointment is to be about reconciliation. We're reconciling, we're reconciled first with God, that's us with God, and then we're about the appointment of helping others to reconcile with God and with one another. Let me say it as clearly as I can. You've been saved. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been saved. 
Your eternity has been bought and paid for by God. You've been called. He took you to the mountaintop and said, look out there. Now go and teach and speak the good news everywhere you go to anyone you're around. That they might be baptized and believe in the same one whom you place your trust in. And now you've received your appointment. I love the way my wife says it when she teaches our kids. And she doesn't know this, but she will now because I'm confessing it to all of you. But I think I'm learning more about it than, than anyone else in our family because I needed to know it so badly. But she says to our kids all the time, when you speak, ask yourself three questions. Is it true? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? And is it kind? You see, if we're going to be about our father's business, we're going to live into our appointment of being ministers of reconciliation. And we got to speak the truth. We got to speak what is necessary to be heard. But we've got to do it in a way that compels people to come together. One thing I want to say, as I leave my appointment and my position, and I just speak to you as a follower of Christ, please join me in speaking what is true and what is necessary. Let's be kind. Please, let's be kind. Father God, would you take all the words that have been spoken this morning? Would you make sense of them for each of us? Would you apply the gospel to our life in a way that helps us to know the gift of salvation that comes freely from you? I can't work for it. I can't obtain it. I can't, can't get it on my own. It comes as a free gift from you. Would you allow us to know our calling, responsibility that we step into as in a relationship with you to go forward with the good news and steward that good news everywhere that we go? Would you allow us to step into our appointment, saying things that are true, that are necessary, but being kind? God, we love you. We worship you. We honor you. Believe, God, that you're coming back again. And from now till then, by the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, we'll be about our daddy's business. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Let's stand and sing a song together as our closing song. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.